0: i Spaces Can you hear me, Try?
1: Uh, no, can you hear me?
2: Yes, I can hear you, I
1: think. Okay, but I can't hear you. Damn it. How does this keep happening? I don't know. How do we keep having conversation? It must be like a, a psychicness or something.
2: I think so. It must be that Texas water I keep hearing about.
1: Uh, Texas water is great, man.
2: Daniel, can you hear us?
3: Yeah, you know, I, I drank the uh, Bart Springs water once. I got pink eye.
2: Wait, really? From drinking water? <laughs> just
3: kidding there, there's some there's a popular springs in uh where um uh Tritidor lives i think right isn't, isn't it there yeah where like where
1: there's Barnes but Those like hamilton pools like right down the road for me and it's like this you know not to be missed natural water attraction but like 75 percent of the year is full of bacteria and you just die <laughs> if you touch it
3: well i you know and i went to some springs in austin i don't know which it was I, forgot the name, but anyway, I, I ended up getting pink eye. And I don't know if it was from that, but I concluded that it was. I was disappointed because I was used to the, you know, when I go to the springs, I'm expecting like the Florida Springs where it's like, you know, there's a, there's a crack in the earth and this cold water is, is gushing out. And it's a lot of, you know, it's really refreshing. And it's fun to kind of try to dive down and oppose the force of the, the water coming out. And then I, you know, and it's in a natural environment, right. With like gators and birds and stuff. But, you know, so the springs over there in Austin, it was just kind of like a community swimming pool. You yeah, know, it it just just really,
1: dirtier. Like, like at least a yeah. community swimming pool has chlorine and water you can <laughs> see your toes in. This is like a dirty
3: swimming pool. Yeah, they, they kind of trapped the water in there, too. Now that I think about it. So, so you think it was the spring water <laughs> that gave you a pink was, eye? Or maybe definitely. the dirty-ass pillow you were <laughs> laying your head on? <laughs> I mean, I'm just <laughs> just throwing it out there. Yeah, there, there are a well... few substances
1: on Earth worse than the, the, the Hamilton Pool Spring Water. I would never touch that stuff.
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, it was it was a little murky, you know, and uh, it was questionable. You know? So I, uh, I mean, I could be wrong, but it, it definitely it could be a pillow. But um,
2: this kind of reminds it's... me: we went to California, Daniel and I, and a few other friends. You know, I think maybe a year ago or something. There a forest fire. So we went all the way down to Yellowstone National Park, but before we got to the park, we stopped over at some diner, a uh, really old place, you know, rust everywhere. You no, know, it looks like the place is run down. And we're like, "Hey, what's interesting going on in your town?" We're like, don't go by the local river. Some family went down there; everyone died, including a baby, a dog. They have no idea why it happened. It's like, what the fuck? Is just <laughs> algae bloom or some shit like that? Or
1: something supernatural? Not our ghosts are haunting the place.
2: Or that. Yeah, I'm always afraid of like, I don't know, even though space is cool, the fact that we haven't really explored like most most of the ocean, maybe there's some crazy creature or something alien like down there, like that always terrifies me thinking about it. So whenever I go near the ocean and stuff, I'm like, God damn it. What could be down there? Uh, Exploded submarines. I'm sorry, imploded. Some Nazi gold, probably too. (laughs) Uh
3: Listen, I just started believing in aliens. So now that they're everywhere, I'd like to meet my friends and they can give us the secrets of the universe.
2: I don't know. I just feel like even though I don't think aliens would have bad intention, I just know for a fact that they would probably be super curious. Like any other intelligent being, if we found aliens we'd be curious about them. And I feel like this is what would lead to them like dissecting us and doing weird experiments on us. And that's kind of is kind of what worries me about aliens. Cool.
1: When we impart our own, like, you know, intelligence, reasoning ability, and morality on the aliens, when really they have conquered the non-trivial technological hurdle of space travel, they might get to our planet and we are literally animals to them. They think they're doing no harm when they dissect us because, mm-hmm. like, they don't even register on, I mean, in their world as, like, life. We're just, like, you know, bacteria as far as they care.
3: Yeah, I mean... I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but I remember watching some video on the theoretical um, like future lifetime of the, of the universe. Like what's, you know, what's going to happen, you know, when will the last stars go out and, you know, when will the universe be dominated by uh, black holes, you know, and how long will that go on? And it turns out that the period of time that um, the amount of time that the universe has to um, sustain life as we know it with like, you know, going you know uh, on planets around stars is like a small small minute fraction of the overall time the, the the like 90 something percent of the of the universe's expected lifetime uh will be will consist of this dark period where it's dominated by um black holes and so it's it's kind of interesting to think in that kind of future you know uh what kind of you know how could life exist it'll it'll exist you know in some different way since uh you know, these black holes are super energetic in their own right, and um, there, might, there might be conditions around them to sustain life. So you'll have, like, life that exists in these kinds of relativistic zones where there's, you know, strange physical phenomena going on because there's, you know, of their proximity to black holes. But, you know, so it's a completely different kind of evolutionary basis for life that will be needed to, uh, for life to exist um, for, the, for the, the bulk of the universe's existence. I gotta say,
2: I'm always a little upset that we always constantly talk about black holes, like everything is about black hole this or black hole that. Why are we never talking about white holes? Everything about white hole goes into thing. I don't think you're you're just not and that's fucked up.
3: You're not you're not like um, staying up to date with the, um, you know, astrophysical publications, frisbee. Well,
2: this is why you gotta enlighten us from time to time. (laughs) So, wait, Are these white holes? Hold on. Are these white holes,
3: black holes that have been bleached? Like, I just want to know.
2: (laughs) That's
3: a a good question. I think they're still working on uh, the science behind that. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, Yeah, they've been bleached um, and they exist on the other sides of the black holes. You know, like some, it's not every, not every, like, uh, what's it called? uh, Cosmology. Not every cosmological theory has it, but some have the idea of a white hole being kind of what's on the other side of the black hole. Um, Yeah, so nothing enters a
1: white
2: hole, but everything enters a black hole, right?
3: Um, I don't know. Ask <laughs> the bands about that.
2: <laughs> and and if white holes have Crocs on, then you got a better fucking run. ASAP. Now I'm done. <laughs> With uh,
3: yeah. oh my god, I can't. I can't. <laughs> no, I
2: mean this
1: literally, like funny. black holes, like you know, they have a gravitational pull and suck everything in. A white hole then would like emit stuff, but like you probably couldn't go into it. But also, yeah. it makes a funny metaphor.
3: You know. um I, I don't know. Uh, you can just shut me up if I'm talking too much about space stuff. But you know, we we li- live in what's called a um, we we have a light horizon. You know, like light has a, a fixed speed, right? But at the same time, the universe is expanding. Like all the space between all the points is expanding. Like a uh, right, and it's a, it's you know it's getting more and more spaced out basically. And it turns out that. Like the further we look away, like the the further the distance we look, the faster that rate of acceleration of expansion is. So it, and at a certain point, the rate of expansion exceeds the the speed of light. And uh, because of that, we can't see past that. Like it creates what's called like a a light horizon. It's like a, it's like where, and in a sense, it's kind of like being on the inside of a black hole where. It's not like being on the outside where there's an event event horizon and you can't see past that point. It's like the opposite; like we're on the inside and we can't see outside of it. So,
1: so it's like part parts of the universe still exist, but they go dark.
3: Yeah. So, you know, there are these like scientific cosmological theories that posit that the whole that the universe as we know it is inside of one inside of a black hole.
2: I just imagine Daniel. You like go back in time during like Galileo's era have a funny hat <laughs> on You're like spouting all those nonsense about you vent horizons and stuff, and you'd probably get burnt at the stake. Um,
1: it's like, sorry, dude, your shit is way wrong. <laughs> the earth is here, the sun is here, and also, as soon as you can, buy Dogecoin.
2: Yeah. Uh, man, we've definitely bantered long enough. Uh, I guess we can kick things off. Uh, one of the things I was thinking, Daniel, before we talk about, you know, GLT going to, going to Ethereum... Yeah. Now, we've made some really big uh, changes this week you know we're looking to adopt noise this is something that has been on our plate for a long time for people who aren't aware noise is a source of randomness that you can get from IBC. It's verified pretty very solid and a lot of chains that are use it you know stargaze juno archway and other places mm-hmm. so maybe you can sort of walk us through noise a bit you know where we're adding it what we plan to do with it cuz i definitely think this is going to Help ensure that our games and things we're doing is a lot more secure. And also, like, having verified randomness, like, creating randomness on chain is extremely difficult. So, having a solution like Noise is like a fucking lifesaver.
3: Yeah, I guess, you know, the basic problem with the randomness on the blockchain is that it's always possible for somebody to come along and um, see basically, you know, how that randomness. Is being created and be able to pr- predict the randomness. There's no such thing in a computer program as true randomness. There are different mechanisms for basically creating uh, a sequence of numbers that looks random in how those values are distributed. But that exact same sequence can be reproduced if you initialize the random number generator with the same initial value, which is called the seed value. And so with the blockchain everything that exists at any given point in time is kind of is deterministic it's like what the block height is the time that the block was generated you can't just and 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 because you know because the contract has to execute on multiple validators and those validators have to agree on what the the inputs are and the outputs are everything has to look the same you can't do anything that you know uses some value that like a memory address that would be different in one validator versus another because then those validators won't agree on what the results are. So it's, it's very difficult to kind of really do anything kind of random or spontaneous in a way that can't be exploited without some other mechanism to provide that randomness, uh, you know, from a source that can't be predicted or manipulated uh, and spied upon. So that's what noise is.
1: In in layman's terms, that means like, you know, pseudo randomness from a computer could fool you or me. We would see random numbers. But if I had like a complex neural network or machine learning algorithm, I could break gelato and win all the time.
3: You you wouldn't need uh, any kind of AI. All you would need to do is know the right steps to apply to kind of spy upon and exploit uh, the nature of like the the way the, the machinery of the blockchain and of transactions and basically just. Using engineering knowledge, you don't need any like artificial intelligence knowledge.
2: You know what's crazy like something like randomness. You know, at least to a human, at least to me, sort of seems like something that's super simple. You know, if you have a bunch of numbers in a bag, you stick your hand in, you pull something out. We call that randomness. And the fact that in Web three and even in Web two, like creating secure randomness is such a hard thing to do for computers that a whole blockchain needed to be built and designed to enable something like this within IBCs. I don't know if you're using like uh, Oracle. Oracle's also have solutions to give you like randomness, but it's crazy that something that seems like it should be easy isn't relatively easy thing to do.
1: Well, I mean, if you think about it, like if I reach into a bag and pull out a random marble or something, that's not really random. I'm I'm inclined to reach a certain way because of my brain, because of my hand size and shape, the way I shake the bag, um, you know, the the texture of things, like. None of that's actually random. You could probably have a computer knew all those variables and a million times of you reaching into a bag, it could probably figure out that randomness too. I mean it's very metaphysical, I guess. Does randomness really exist?
2: That's definitely true. You know, I feel like every time you watch a movie about people predicting the future and stuff, this is exactly what they do. Take all the variables, run the simulations many times, and try to determine what's the most likely, you know, outcome that you'll sort of get.
1: Yeah, so funny tech question for Daniel. Then, so I mean, if we assume that true randomness might never exist, even when noise does, it's not totally random. It's just like good enough to make a computer be fooled and think it's random. Is there like you know, kind of like a I don't know, like a whole like computer virus war? Will someone else figure out a way to break noise randomness? Then no. noise figures out a
3: way to make it even more random, and so on. The the um the random like the the, the so. You know that what I mentioned before the the seed value um that it, some is sometimes referred to as like entropy and uh the more entropy the better basically for the randomness and the 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 entropy that the randomness that uh noise sends over is very high. it would be called i think cryptographically strong randomness, and it's very unlikely. Uh, it's it's way more likely that anything we would do or anything um, someone else would just hack together would be superior to what they're doing, uh, both in regards to how they're generating the randomness and the, the the quality of the randomness in the sense of the quality being how random it is, you know, how how close to a nat like organic and that randomness in nature is. Like if we could drop a handful of toothpicks, how would they how they would spread out it's pretty close to that. You know, it's, it's not going to lump a bunch of toothpicks strangely together in some weird way, you know, in the matter of speaking, it'll be a natural distribution.
1: So, so given current technology, it is impossible for, to break noises, randomness. You, know, you have to be the government or something.
3: Yeah, and then, you know, even so, there are a bunch of other variables and how that gets used and combined with the uh, Juno uh, contract. Like in this case, uh, maybe one of our lottoes. Um, and how like how it's utilizing it, how it's transforming the value that's uh, you know um, noise gives us, right into the, the usable randomness that the program needs. So
2: the so the basic TLDR is noise is going to give us extremely secure randomness, and we're going to be looking to add it to all of our games, right. switching out our own custom random algorithm. In the future, and- we may offer both options. You no, know, for whatever reason, but for the time being, you no. Know, Gelato Max, Mortal Coin you know, any other place where we're using randomness, we want to source noise and also do that going forward. Right.
3: And um right before like a minute before this space, I think I finally managed to get the integration working with one of the gelato maps lotteries uh, on the pick three. Um so if you to buy like if you buy tickets, it's gonna it does it starts the whole workflow with uh, noise and you know, sending uh it's doing a bunch of IBC stuff. And it's receiving the randomness and drawing the numbers with it. Um, there seems to be a little UI bug uh, with you have tickets, and it it shows the winning numbers, but then it just doesn't refresh. So I have to fix that. But um, the it seems to be working, which is really exciting. So
2: uh, I will say one of the scary things about like Web three and services like or essentially anything you integrate with. Uh, right now, we're running a relayer that basically uh, takes uh, you know packets from noise, move it to Juno back and forth just so we can take advantage of the randomness. And Pokachu is also doing it. So we're the only two people that are basically relaying Juno and noise. If for some reason, Pokachu goes down or something happens to our infrastructure, then now, boom, randomness is done. Can't take advantage of it. We can still use our own randomness algorithm, but I always think about the scariness of like Web3. It's like, you need people to come in and you know, takes these things on and be like, hey, I'm gonna go relay for these networks. Something like Osmosis, because there's so much money involved, so many people involved. You have tons of people relaying to all these different channels. Stuff like Noise is still relatively new. There's a handful of channels you now. If you go to Archway between Noise, there might be one relayer that's only doing that. So this stuff is kind of fragile. You know, I'm definitely very happy that we have a lot of experience in maintaining Web two Web infrastructure. I don't see a big issue there, but it's crazy just to see it all work, though. Know? You have this chain that's dedicated to randomness, and we're now using them in our game, and I'm glad you figured out what the issue was to get it going. Uh-huh.
1: There's also a multitude of uses for randomness, though, and Noise is the only one right now doing randomness in the IBC, aren't they? So I, I can't imagine we're not going to have more people tapping into it, more relayers in the future. Like, it's not just going to be us and PolkaJu going forward.
3: Uh... Yeah, probably not. Um, you know, I think uh, there's plenty to do with randomness. It's just um, you know, and now, and I guess you have to get over that that initial hump of just figuring out how to integrate it. You know, like is saying, you know, you got to set up the relayers if they don't exist. You you know, you have to, and you have to figure out how to like di- uh, triage and, and debug it. You know, because IBC isn't very well exposed in like MintScan it's very difficult to really kind of understand what's happening. And there are a lot of steps, you know, uh, the, the, the logs that are generated are quite expensive and sometimes very cryptic. Uh, so, um, you know, once you get it working and you overcome that initial hump of just understanding the whole thing, um, then you can kind of, it's a rinse and repeat kind of thing where now when we ha- we can have a other contract, we can just kind of, install install it elsewhere and, and they've, they've done a really good job at making it um user-friendly like from a developer standpoint and they made it really easy to integrate um and they're also really kind of like strong uh simon and katarina katarina they're very um strong you know engineers and you can tell that they uh they have a lot of passion for what they do and um
2: I mean, I kind of wish they were in here so we could give them a shout out. It's really amazing to see such high cal- caliber engineers, like you know, the Noise founders, and to be able to work with them directly to like debug, get all this going, and also getting them, you know, to also help us like audit and look at what we're doing. That's like a really amazing feeling to be able to work with all these amazing engineers. Even recently, we're we're working with Combus to figure out if there's some way to like skip protocol to reduce like fees for what our end users pay. You need to tap in and work with all these brilliant engineers it's definitely something i really love about Cosmos. other ecosystems you don't see too much of that but at least i think definitely see all these engineers you know trying to help each other out
1: yeah and for people on the call who don't know i mean noise has been pretty good to us like in addition to, like working with us on issues like this um they gave us a genesis validator delegation. i mean when you think about randomness and our gaming platform it's a natural pairing so um once they're like trading and they get an airdrop or something, you know, look at the noise, vest in it. They've been good to us. We I mean, be even
2: beyond doing just uh, validated delegation, they also gave us a really big best thing of noise token to use for randomness. So for the foreseeable future and probably a really long time, almost all of our randomness is paid for. So this allows us to really tap in, try to use your system, try to break it use noise everywhere without breaking our bank, you know, allowing us to become more sustainable. So eventually in the future, you know, when our best thing does run out, now we'll have all the games using it, you know, through staking of the house, we can automatically convert stuff, pay for the randomness, but kind of nice to have that level of support for them so we can experiment and try all these things.
3: I think they, they take a portion of the um noise, uh, the payment that you give them when you use the, uh, the randomness and they, they burn it. So it's a way of also, you know, helping them in their tokenomic model.
2: Yeah, so TLDR, noise is great. It's coming to all of our games. We're going to prioritize using noise for randomness, but for whatever reason, if noise ever goes down, then we can always fall back to our own randomness algorithm. So I'm kind of glad you almost got all that stuff working end-to-end.
3: I did, actually. It's the pick three. I just have to fix some stupid front-end bug now because it's... uh, if you if you didn't win, it, it's not it's not like resetting the state of the lotto it just continuing to show the, the winning numbers, which is a little annoying. But at least it's not the important thing. The important thing is that it's actually using noise now and it's working at the end.
2: Yeah. So we definitely talked a lot about noise. I'm glad that stuff is going well before we get into GLTO moving over to Ethereum. Maybe we could touch upon Archway a little. You know, I feel like we have a lot of good developments happening there. We deployed staking of the house and the near future people stake arch token. Different field. We're also looking to deploy our all of our games there, plus new games. And, you know, this is a bit of an alpha, but I, I could share it here. It looks like our grant application to build the human validator protocol, which will be used in the victim market, got approved by Archway, so we're meeting with them. We're working out all the details, but I'm really excited about that. So I know we talked a lot about human validating protocol. seems like Now we're actually getting ready to build this out. So, Daniel, why don't you give us a little bit of a, a sneak peek of, you know, the whole system that we're planning on doing?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, I guess right now um, we're in the stage of of uh, you know upgrading our app so that it support it's multi-chain. So, you need a way to you know intuitively switch between Archway and Juno, for example, if you're gonna if there are lottos in both you know on both networks. So, that's something we're working on. There, there are a few. You know, issues with the wallet man with managing multiple connections at the same time. So just um, working through that. Um, but yeah, on on the in regards to the prediction market that Risby mentioned. Um, like, what what do you uh, what do you think, Risby? I mean, like, how much detail should we go into here? I guess
2: maybe we can give an overall view of the prediction market and how human oracles will play in. But before you dive into it, I definitely want to let people know you know, what is the problem that we're trying to solve with the human Oracle, you know, protocol? Mm-hmm. Essentially today within Web3, if you want to get access to any type of data, you know, from Web2, you have to use an Oracle to get that into Web3. And, you know, within this uh, space, especially within the Cosmos, that information is very limited so far. So if you as an individual wanted to onboard some type of new data into Web3, you know, if you're using Chainlink, for example, that's potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars that you need to pay To basically onboard a new data source into Web3. So what we're looking to do is find a way to get real-world information onto the blockchain in a way that's safe, secure, and relatively cheap. And this is the idea of where, like, the human oracles, uh, you know, sort of come in. We almost envision these, you know, human oracles as validators, right? You go ahead and you can create some type of question. Hey, who's going to win the next election, Trump or Biden? Or hey which is going to be the first celebrity to die in you know next year and people can basically you know put up some options and essentially when an event happens you're allowing humans to come together to sort of say what the truth is you know if you're honest you're getting rewards if you're a liar you're getting slashed and there's incentives for you to be honest and that's sort of the basis of the human oracle protocol is you know onboarding cheaper reliable data onto web3 and with that Daniel, maybe you can give us a bit about the prediction market, how that's going to work, you know, and tease whatever else you want.
3: Well, it's basically, you know, you can think of our prediction market as, you know, decomposing into these two things, into this human oracle or human validator um, protocol that you mentioned. And then that, uh, and then another like contract that allows you to basically trade on the, uh, trade on outcomes on a, you know, uh, who's going to win an election. And, um, the reason that's important that those are two distinct things is because the the human validator protocol is useful for other types of applications. Like, you know, if there, if we ever if somebody ever wants to come along and build something where, you know, um, you know, they they can present a question like, is this uh, is this is this authentic or could you, you know, um, I don't know. They have some something I don't know something they uh, they want other people to look at and to verify its authenticity they can come along and they can like pr- put this uh, this prompt out there and, and other people could come along and um, you know create a consensus as to whether it's authentic or not as a service that's just a made-up example but you can you can imagine for yourself how it could be put to use uh, in many different contexts you know natural.
1: Is there applications for this for like our football squares app like you know like chainlink wouldn't know what the score for a football right. game is but you know,
3: humans could vote on that exactly and um you know people ask the question about how you know you're gonna have actual humans you know inputting results and game you know game outcomes and other things uh, you know how are you gonna isn't that dangerous people will manipulate it well I mean I think the thing the innovation and the challenging part here is designing um uh a solution that you know for those problems uh and um so you know what we have in mind currently is, is something that's uh, akin to something like a jury pool where other contracts can come and they can kind of request a jury and uh and that jury you know they can say you know for, we want 10 people 10 jurors uh those jurors have to be you know have like 90% responsiveness ratings they need to have like a track record of voting of no having no disputes, you know, um another such criteria. And uh when it comes time to enter, you know, to come with a to a verdict, as it were, you know, those like 10 10 jurors will come together and submit their responses and um receive whatever incentives are um promised by the um contract that's using the service. So if we have like a uh you know, if you build an app where you want people to answer some question, you can that app can promise, you know, each uh, juror some percentage of um, like a dynamic percentage of of something or a fixed amount, like uh, you know, every juror will get you know uh, an atom or something, right? So um, that's kind of what it's going to look like in terms of the, the user experience. You know, when you know when uh, you're you come. You want to you want to create a bet, uh, and you then you want to configure like what uh, what kind of jury do you want? Or you know to, I'm just using a metaphor still, but you'll be able to say you know you require a certain level of um, you know reliability, a certain like rating of jurors.
2: Uh, I mean, so. when you say that, it's almost like you're saying you know at least what I'm hearing is like you can pay a premium on honesty. And if you have a big game, a lot of money involved, you're like hey. I want my jury pool to be X, Y, and Z. You must have X amount of stake. You must have been honest this percentage at the time. This must be responsiveness. You can select all Mm -hmm. those things and maybe make the payout bigger versus, hey, if you have a general jury pool, where anyone can jump in, but it's still based on honesty, their weight, you know, a lot of other factors, then maybe the rewards they get won't have that extra premium. So it's nice to like go down to that fine grain level if necessary.
3: And, and we'll, you know, one of the things we'll, we'll also do is uh, create a mobile app that is basically just an, an inbox. So it lets people who are participate, participating, you know, as these jurors um, to, you know, be notified that it's like time to vote on a, you know, a particular matter um, to submit their response, um, you know, and other such things, you know, to encourage, to make it fast, right? And um you know, the, I, I I think I'm, we're also baking into into this protocol some notion of evidence. You know, to be able to um, not only vote on what the outcome was, but also point to or, or provide um, like evidence in terms of supporting materials, and to allow that material to be uh, endorsed by other users to say that this is yes valuable information, and so we can factor in the this kind of thing as a, a kind of a participation to say like when you look at the, the, the jury pool you'll be able to see like how quickly do people respond their responsiveness and in addition to that you'll be able to see how much evidence they historically provided you know and, and how, like in what percentage of their juries did they present useful uh information you know so um how much research did they do it like that
1: so It sounds like we have a whole lot of options and bells and whistles we could really integrate into this thing. I mean, it depends how grandly we want to get. Um, So, spitballing, how long do you think it'll take to code this and put it on Archway?
3: I mean, that's... It really uh, depends on some factors that need to be more, you know, thoroughly considered, but um, I've made significant headway on the the core smart contract for creating these jury pools, uh, these juries, and so... um, you know, I've worked out the math and uh, the the ways of calculating these scores. Um, so, Not- know, I already have a head start, but I can't give you like a, 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 a you know a, a date on it. Okay. We, we have to.
2: I feel like we also need to iron out what we want in an initial version. So, in V one, mm-hmm. we definitely want to ensure people are able to stake some type of asset. This way, let's say you're betting on a game that's worth a few hundred or a few thousand you need some level of self stake to be able to like, you know, vote on that. This way, if you do lie or do something malicious, we can, you know, slash your self stake. In V2, what I would really love to say is to sort of take this and add in the formula where users can stake with people who tell the truth, almost like validators. So if you're someone who has this type of asset and you're like, hey, I really want to make, you know, money from telling the truth, but I personally don't want to be involved. Let's say Pokachu or even Tank, you know, they're trusted, yeah. you know, entities that are telling the truth. They have the track record. This is going to now allow users to stake with those entities, you know, hopefully in V2 or mm-hmm. later. This way, those trusted entities can now vote on bigger things, have more weight, and whatever rewards they get, a portion of that will get distributed back to people that are staking with them. You know, right now within Web3, we have like companies set up. That basically do things like validation or build infrastructure for Web3. And depending on where you are, it can be very profitable. And we want to do the same exact thing here. we wanna make telling truth, you know, profitable. And we wanna see people building businesses and enterprise around telling the truth.
1: It's a funny tech question. Like it seems like the the MVP can be very simple. We just make the core functionality, but there's a whole lot of well, options, bells, whistles, metrics we can I mean, add. Like This is... How hard is... Yeah, sorry. I mean,
3: that's true in regards to this core protocol, but there's also the question of how do we implement the prediction market? Like, do we... You know, there are different ways of... Um, you know, the, like if you look at Polymarket, for example, they have this system for... They use a smart contract that... Basically, deals like I won't go into it, but they they split dollars and they merge dollars. Like they they whenever you whenever you post a like a limit order for something, you you're creating shares in that in that moment. Like if you sell yes, you know, for twenty cents, then it creates like a a buy no for eighty cents. You know, it's like they have because it's it's, so there's the mechanics of how do you how do you operate the um, prediction market and. you know, do we do something like them or do we do something like uh, the, the power mutual betting, you know, where everyone puts their money, you know, all the proceeds goes to the winning side, you know? But I don't know. We should have I'll, a honest, around I that. I really
2: like the notion of shares because yeah. we might have some, you know, we might have a lot of bets that might be short term bets like, hey, who's going to win this game or who's going to die or some random shit. But there might also be really long term bets. And I like mm-hmm. the idea of people buying bets, so yes and no basically become shares, and people are just trading that back and forth. And let's say something happens that makes people think, you know, people thought yes was a majority, so that's what you're sticking to. Now something happens that makes them think maybe yes isn't so confident. Now people are selling yeses to buy no's. I think that type of market dynamic could be really interesting, especially for, I don't know, I can just see a lot yeah. of craziness so, happening. From that.
3: You know, a you, you know, polymarket, they uh if you look at like one of their their markets around a, a political election they they don't have it's not like you go there and you you trade votes for biden for votes for, for, for trump right you get your shares rather what instead what you see is trump yes no biden yes no and so you have a different market for each individual candidate uh and um, you know, I was a little confused by how it worked at first because of that. It's you know, I was thinking, oh, prediction market, someone's gonna be trading Trump for Biden, but that's not so. So um, you know, there there, we really have to, you know, come up. I don't I don't think we have the answer for that yet, but if we just do something very um maybe naive, like, you know, um if uh If Trump wins, then everyone, you know, then, then, then the net, um, you know, then, then everyone's, the pooled money goes to just the Trump, uh, shareholders. I mean, what if, what if 90%, you know, had shares of Trump and only 10% had shares of Biden, then it's like an insignificant win, you know, there needs to be some way of kind of, um, you know, leveraging different, um, I guess, likelihoods, you know, like uh, you know, if something is, you know, if you if you want to make a thirty-five to one bet, you, you should be able to. Versus like a you know one to one bet, or something.
2: Right? Or I definitely agree. We'll need to figure out exactly what we want to do for our MVP. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad just... that we have options. But one of the things that really excites me about the human oracle protocol or the human validator protocol is the fact that we've always said that beyond games, Gelato is going to build different types of web three applications, and some of it is going to be tools like this and one of the things that i'm looking forward to doing is people who want to leverage the desktop protocol to get information on they're going to be paying in glto right it's almost like if you want to get a random piece of noise you pay in noise and that goes back to the stakers the protocol doing the same thing with glto and a part of that goes back to glto staking of the house so this is to me is one of the first examples of building something you know that's not necessarily gaming related but will generate revenue for a lot of people
0: right
2: so i guess uh, mean... daniel we will dive more into prediction market human oracles but ultimately i'm very excited to sort of see where this thing could go because there's so many different applications that we can apply
1: yeah yeah next week you know, we'll figure out the details of the grant and stuff and what's involved and what we have to work with but yeah i'm kind of excited about this too especially because like you know, we finally like did a grant application, and someone's like actually interested in something. You know, that Daniel came up with. Like, I really want to build this. He was really interested in doing this. We just never had the bandwidth because we're doing yeah.
3: other stuff that we think is going to make more money. But I mean, this will be fun. You know, this whole time that we've had this, what what we, were, what we were intending to do from the beginning with Gelato was make it possible for people to make their own uh, games. You know, their own raffles, their own lotteries. You know, uh, and in this case, their own bets. So. Uh I think like uh the poly market, this uh, existing um prediction market, they are the ones creating the bets. I don't believe some random person can come along and create one right they it's like controlled and um but if we can make this something where anyone can come along and they could post a bet and get other you know and use this human validation protocol to get answers um it's going to be really exciting because it's more of a a dynamic thing where you have users just, you know, creating uh, content rather than just, you know, consuming it. Uh, So yeah, I think it's going to be a way more dynamic and uh, exciting experience than uh, just kind of, you know, maybe um, playing uh, regular kinds of games. It'll be more interactive. We have more of a, you know, if we have something like a discussion going on around you know, each bet, that's going to be another uh, reason to participate in some kind of social aspect now. So yeah, you know, V1 might not have, have everything, but it's, it's just easy to, to, to see different possibilities of things we can do with this. Um, and, and Arch away, you know, uh, they're the first to really, you know, volunteer uh, such like uh, support um, something that we want to do so uh i'm really happy to have them you know on our side with this and uh you know to have to be able to leverage their um their whole um you know uh, infrastructure for um marketing or getting the word out there you know for driving traffic to it because that's one of our
1: they've also been really generous to us with a validator delegation too i think the overwhelming majority of our stake tokens are from them the archway people so yeah, whatever, you know, whatever they want us to do, you know, in building their network, you know, do it first, fast and well, because I don't want to be mm-hmm. one of those Cosmos chains that just kind of takes the money and doesn't do shit. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I don't, I, I don't want to point any fingers or
1: anything. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I will say one of the craziest things that I sort of experienced, uh, if you guys hear an echo, let me know. I ran upstairs and sometimes there's an echo in my kitchen. But it was crazy that, you know, as we're working with Archway, the, found, the founder sort of was like, hey, jump on a call with us. What do you guys need? and you're continuously giving us resources, you know? We're, we're running into some issues with uh, running relayers for CW20, between the chains, and now we have a whole team dedicated that's helping us solve through that. So it's kind of nice to have that level of support. And it's also nice that, you know, Archery wants to support, you know, dApps that aren't the traditional copy and paste, you know, DEXs, NFT marketplace, and just all the same shit that you see over and over. You know, for Web3 to truly succeed, you gotta treat it like the actual internet and build cool, interesting apps that people want to pay for. And I love that, you know, once we build up this prediction market in the Human Oracle, we're gonna give it to people and Be like, hey, what can you guys do with this? What's some crazy shit? What type of crazy bets you can come up with? Or maybe even build some other application that leverages the Human Oracle protocol to build something cool out. Like one of the ideas that one of our friends talked about many years ago was, what if there was a way to have a neighborhood app where people can create like a job board? Like, hey, in this neighborhood, clean up this or do this. And once they do this thing, we need some way to verify that someone has done the work and what they've done to the work, then they get rewarded and whatever that project you know, asset is. So it something like the human oracle, now something like that is possible. It's possible to do something in the real world, verify it and bring that chain information on chain and do it cheaply too.
1: I mean, there's all kinds of, like, you know, out-there applications. Like, I don't know what the, the, the legal applications would be, but you could be like, you know, settle my dispute with my neighbor. Here's my side, here's his side, and people vote on that. Or mediate my divorce. I mean, if you're willing to, you know, be bound by whatever, your human validators decide, I and mean, there's no reason you couldn't, it's just, you know, whatever people can come up with, there's, there's a use right. for people to vote or give you, you know, their, their honest opinions on it.
2: Yeah. yeah. Maybe this is, uh, like, a perfect segue... You know, unless there's something else you want to talk about for human validators or the you know, prediction market, maybe we can talk about GLTO to Ethereum.
3: Yeah. No. I'm tempted to go on, off on a tangent, but you should go ahead.
2: Right, Dan, why don't you do like a two minute no, tangent? No, no, go something?
3: for it. Go for the
2: Ethereum. All right, cool. So ultimately, you know, for people who aren't familiar, GLTO is a CW twenty token. And we have always sort of planned to migrate GLTO to a token factory, you know, asset. There's a lot more flexibility involved. But, you know, that was our initial plan. But for a long time, we've been sort of observing what's happening within the Cosmos ecosystem. And even though IBC is great, IBC still feels very like underdeveloped. You know, there's a lot of user experience issues. And constantly, you know, our goal has always been to be a Web3 project and not focused on Cosmos. So we're continuously going into different ecosystems like Ethereum, AVAX, and trying to bring those community members in. And very often, the thing that you see is they're fully confused by this ecosystem. You know, if you want to come and play with GLTO today, you got to go and get Atom or Osmo from a DEX, you know, uh, or from a Dex migrate it over, swap some tokens, get GLTO. And then if you're on Juno, you have to get a little bit of Juno to pay for gas fee. All that is extremely confusing for the end user, you know. And I'm sure in the future people will build software to make this better, but right now it's not really happening. And if you look at a lot of chains and projects, they're continuously not funding efforts to sort of make these things easy, you know, for the end user. And what you end up with is a fragmented ecosystem. You have all this block space that calls all these different ecos- uh, you know, projects and chains, but there's no one really filling it. There aren't enough DApp builders. And the type, of like founda- or the type of like delegations or grants you see is usually to like insiders, friends that they know, people building stuff that already exists that doesn't bring any traffic. You know, and a perfect example of this you know, is when, you know, we have something like Osmosis, right? We have something like Kajira. These are like two of the best decks within the IBC. Why the fuck do we need a third random one for? But again, because people within the ecosystem just love to grift, what did they do? They built out a copy and paste DEX. They went to Juno, community said no, but they were funded and all this bullshit happened. And it's not just Juno, you, know, you see this every single place. And because of that, you know, Cosmos ecosystem has very limited liquidity and no one's really focusing on bringing in normal users. So taking all these considerations into, you know, into like, you know, our decision making, we ultimately decided that we love Cosmos. It has one of the best techs. It's very friendly, at least for a developer. It's fast, it's cheap but it's really missing, you know, the liquidity and the volume slash user. And that's something that you can find in EVM chains. You know, if you look at Ethereum, for example. So instead of migrating GLTO to a token factory, what we plan to actually do is to deploy GLTO token to Ethereum. You know, same supply, same tokenomics. We're gonna allow users to be able to take their current CW20 GLTO and be able to either get Ethereum GLTO or wrapped GLTO, which will be on Cosmos. And our goal with all of this is all of our products, once this is done, going forward, we'll use wrapped GLTO asset to basically be using all of our products. And the hope that this is all of our application building, anything technical we're doing, all that's gonna happen within the Cosmos ecosystem. But a lot of our liquidity and user are gonna come from the EVM side. And by leveraging technology like Axler, and, you know, their squid router, we can make it so that eventually Ethereum users can natively use their assets without ever even leaving, you know, their wallet. You know, MetaMask is going to be supporting Cosmos soon. Wallet is going to be supporting MetaMask. So using these different things, we think this could be a great opportunity to sort of take, you know, what's great about Ethereum, which is their volume, their users, their liquidity, and tie it to Cosmos and what they're great at is incredible tech that's fast, secure, cheap, and easy to use. And we're hoping by doing these two things, we're gonna be able to create a more, you know, bigger reach, be able to do more, onboard more users, have a lot more volume. So Ethereum DLTO will be launched on Uniswap, and the wrapped DLTO LPs will be launched on Kajira and Osmo. So again, I said a mouthful. We're definitely gonna have a lot more details. We're gonna, you know, have a timeline. You no. Know, and everything we do, we want to make sure it's very easy for people to migrate these things over. So I'm gonna take a pause there. Try in case you have anything to say. If anyone, you know, within our audience, if they want to come up and talk, uh, feel free. But that's you know, where lto is gonna be going.
1: I think an important detail is also kinda of the end game plan is then when you go to the Gelato webpage, you will be able to play games with either the ETH version or the wrapped cosmos version of the token, meaning Essentially, we can abstract the network out of it. So it doesn't matter if I'm an ETH user or a Cosmos user. I can play games with either just by going to a web page so it becomes a little bit more network independent.
2: Yeah, and I think that's where really our gelato credit system comes in. You know, I sort of envision with that and tying it to staking of the house is in the future, being able to deploy staking of the house to essentially any chain in Web3 where there's liquidity, volume, and users and tie it back to our ecosystem. So to even imagine Solano. We deploy staking of the house in the future solana so people are able to stake solana to earn real yield and by using the gelato credit system we can create a you know a gelato version of solana a one-to-one backing so once you stake with gelato and you know if people want to use solana they can and they can do that in all of our games without ever needing to download Kepler, or leave or even build your own positive ecosystem you know trying to find a blockchain that has everything liquidity volume security it's fast easy to use it's kind of impossible you know even in web 2 you're never going to find the perfect solution you know just like real life you got to find the best tool for the job and sort of tie all that together and that's kind of what we're trying to do here we view ebm slash ethereum as a tool we view Cosmos as a tool and we're trying to tie these things together without saying hey we're leaving cosmos or hey we're going to go rebuild everything in ethereum we're going to try to take advantage of what make what's the best thing about these networks and use that and try, instead of trying to put everything on one network.
1: So how good is Axelar? Because, um, you know, every time, anytime you say the word bridge in crypto, like everyone's assholes clench, because that's always the shit that breaks, the shit that gets hacked, how things are vulnerable. How good is Axelar?
2: I mean, from since they've come up, the amount of funding they have, all their audits, you know, even, you know, from the time they've been running, they seem like a very, you know, reliable bridge you know solid team they have great vision we're talking with them directly so and i think it's one of the you know one of the best you know better bridging solutions that are out there there might be other ones in the future and we'll look to support that as well too but this whole you know ibc is great once you're in here but we can't rely on that to solve everything for us sometimes we have to go to things that are known to work take advantage of that so Bridges do work. There are some dangers to that. We'll definitely try to find ways to lessen that, and also work with you know bridge providers and projects that are solid, known, and fully audited. But you know that's part of being a web 3 there It'll always be some type of risk. Even within IBC, there's some type of risk.
1: The PLDR is our current casino. is built in like Scottsdale, Arizona. We're going to build another location in Vegas.
4: <laughs> Basically, I, one day. really, really good. Like I've I've been using that class since the beginning it was like it's, it's great stuff it's probably got the most liquid liquidity at the minute on the EVM the um, the multi-chain bridge you got hacked on, on FTM and everything just went batshit crazy but Axlar stepped up and since then on the EVM it's like the, the, the massive like, what when was that? Axlar talking about Axlar yeah, yeah it's, it's satellite. that happened um, yeah, yeah. yeah something this is, this happened recently the, Um, about a month ago it was on it was on ftm the guy who runs the multi-chain bridge which was probably one of the bigger ones on the evm he just fucking lost his shit like and he and he was holding all the seed phrases or or, all the passwords Mm. or something for all the liquidity and he he got like arrested and then it fucking all just went mentally um and then the ftm sort of turned to axlar and another layer too, I can't remember what it is. And then since then, like they've they've just gone absolutely wild. They're supplying liquidity on like pretty much every single EV, EVM chain, and that that's who people people turn to at the minute.
2: You know, whenever things happen within this space, it's always unfortunate. You know, one of the things I remember, I think this was a month or two ago. Shane created a Twitter post, you know, poll saying, "Should Stargaze be permissionless?" And it was basically like 50/50. And the two big arguments that I saw from both camps is camp A is saying, "Hey, if you make your permission list, more developers will come. It's easier. You're removing that barrier of entry. That's great. This is going to potentially lead to more activity on Stargaze." The other side of that is you have people saying, "Hey, what if people deploy a malicious contract? Or what if someone does something that harms the network? Or you know something happens." In my viewpoint those things are good. Right now, we're still relatively early. And the only way to really harden the system, just like when it's working out, is to try to break it in some way. And this is the reason why when you work out, you're literally ripping your muscle fiber regrowing it and making it stronger. So even when bridge hacks happen or something happened on a Cosmos chain, ultimately those things to me are short-term pains, but it makes you so much more stronger in the long run. Right now, a fraction, of the world's population is using Web3. And even a smaller fraction of those people use Web3 for normal application. So right now, this is the time to make all of these chains and protocols stronger. So eventually, let's say 50% or 60% of the human population or Web2 traffic, which is the Web3, then that's gonna be a lot more money involved, a lot more things involved. So we wanna make sure things are a lot more solid. So. No, shit happens, but as long as we have learn from it and do better next time, you know, it's all part of the evolution.
4: Yeah, I, I agree. There's there's another project called uh, Connect Connect Bridge. They've just done an airdrop because they've they've released a new token to an XERC twenty, and it's done it's done slightly different because like I think. From what I was reading, I'm not hundred percent sure, but you, but your your asset gets locked on the bridge, and then you you mint a new one on the other side. So, so that people are changing the way that you you can move your money on the EVM, because that is that is the biggest problem is the bridge is the bridging on the EVM.
2: Yeah, definitely, and hopefully these things will just continue to get better. And beyond even just GLTO, you know, we do want to move other future assets. Spanning across multi-chains, so even our core uh, series one, series two, and series three, portion of those we plan to move over to the Ethereum side. And I think by putting this, you know, focus on trying to capture the liquidity and volume of EVM and applying and using it with the power, powerful tech of Cosmos, I think we might see some interesting things happen here. So again, I'm not sure of anyone else who's sort of trying to set up an experiment, but I was from the business side and the project side, this seems to be like a logical step for us to go and help take this project, you know, this brand and what we're doing to another level. Like we've always said, I for a gaming platform. We want Gelato to sort of be like Steam of web in the future. This is one of the reasons why we open source all of our code and give everything away. We envision a platform where other developers can come and take our stuff, build, you know, using our technology, and if they if they need money, right? If the staking as the house comes in, our crowdsource liquidity. If they need data, this is where come in. If they need bot protection and security, this is where they can take advantage of our other tools. Take all of these things, build fun products that people want to use, and a percentage of that revenue go back to our platform and ecosystem. So I think this is a perfect fit. You know, building a gaming platform that's interoperable between these and more. I think there's definitely an appetite for it. You know, gaming, sex, and drugs, as I always say, are the three things that made Nintendo 1.0 explode, 2.0 explode. And unless something crazy has happened with civilization, I think those are the three things that are going to help Nintendo 3.0 truly be adopted by the everyday user. And we want to explore all three of those things. You know, right now, gaming is the most important one that we want to dive into. But once that's done, we want to focus on the other two.
4: I think I think what what's going to put a lot of like miles ahead of everyone else on the EVM is is that you're gonna you're gonna go over there and you're gonna appear to be a new project. Obviously, we know that you're not on the Cosmos, but on the EVM, you're going to be like like the new boys. And it's not going to be a case of of oh, buy our token and then in in six, six months we'll have something where you can use your token. You're gonna have a product straight away, and that and that on its own is going to be a novelty for an EVM if for an EVM project. Where you can actually buy the token that day and then you can go and take it to the house, or you can go and play, play, deal the match, You can go and do this, I can go and do that. They're, they're gonna, they're gonna fucking love it. Like,
3: I mean, there isn't much you can do on uh, just Ethereum, right? Like, it's so slow, uh, people haven't really built. I mean, the, all the all the dApps are basically um, just tokens, right? There isn't much actual de- like development on that chain because what does it have like six to 12 transactions per second, right? Like, I don't know what Juno has, maybe like around 2,000 transactions per second or something. I I don't know, I forgot. And I
2: feel like this is where people go to L2s and this is where like some fragmentation really starts to happen. At the end of the day, beyond Bitcoin, Ethereum is the next most valuable block space, right? This is the reason why gas is so high. This is the reason why everyone's trying to file ETFs for it. I don't think Ethereum is going anywhere. You know, during the last cycle, everyone constantly talked about the Ethereum killer, Solana, Cosmos. I don't think there necessarily will ever be Ethereum killer. I think Ethereum has a very special place, which is for smart contract development, the volume, the liquidity. I think all that, most of it will always be on Ethereum. Mm-hmm. But the hope is other chains will offer different things that Ethereum doesn't do very well today, whether that's security, speed, cost. And this is where everyone's going to tap into that. So I think this model that we're looking to take, I feel like it's what maybe other people will do in the future as well too. Just because from a business perspective, it sort of seems to be the obvious one. I'm not sure about what the flaws will be, what we'll discover, but you know, throughout all of that, I'm sure we'll learn and grow from it.
3: I think like it's a fundamental truth right now, which is if we were just to stay on Juno, and a couple of other Cosmos blockchains, there there isn't really enough just Mm -hmm. overall volume uh, and Activity to support, I don't know if it's even enough to support one full time developer, right? It's not a feasible job. It's not a, it's not a feasible career choice to become like an independent uh, team or um, smart contracts, you know, slash dApp developer. And that's part of the problem. It needs to be economically like feasible for a person to be able to um, get a salary for their work. Right. Like a lot of times what I I think what I see happen on these Cosmos chains is that the projects that get the grants, you know, the first grants or the um, they get, you know, selected to do various projects are ones that have um, already some kind of financial backing, which means that there's some rich person or entity that is going to fund a team to build something. And there's some kind of selection bias, it seems, and that and that organization is going to get the, the, the grant. You know, it's it's not as easy for um, an independent project like Gelato or just an independent developer to get have that level of trust from the start and to get those same grants. Uh, or and, and and because of that, you know, at the same time, it's difficult to make software uh, that runs on Cosmos Chain that does something that makes the uh, the the team enough money to survive on, and it, that should definitely. <laughs> Not be the case. Like it should be possible to write apps that you know to create businesses that are fundamentally like you know primarily on a Cosmos blockchain. Uh, that you know that result in a successful business, uh, right? And that, but there's just not enough liquidity and activity on on the network to make that so right now. So,
2: and I think so like yeah. maybe that's one of the reasons why we continue to see copy paste stuff, right? If you go to most chains, everyone sort of faces the same exact thing, even if you're AVAX, right? You can have amazing technology, you can have amazing features, but it's never going to be enough for people to randomly find out who you are. Like crypto is already a niche, and within that niche, Cosmos is a tiny niche. Within that Juno and in each individual chain is a tinier niche, right? Stuff like AVAX is also a tiny niche, right? Just for like TBL comparison, I think someone recently pulled these numbers, like Osmosis TVL is like 100 million something, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at this, uh, uh, the TVL of Uniswap, that's like two, three point four fucking billion dollars, right? The amount of users they have, so it just, it's, it's kind of hard mm-hmm. for people. Like, you know, maybe if this was three, four years ago, creating a blockchain was a very difficult thing to do. It's almost like think about the person who created the first web app, right? Super difficult coding. Amazon back in the day, hard as hell. Now you can easily build Amazon, but that tech is not mystified anymore. It's been evolved and fine-tuned, same with Cosmos. It's extremely easy right now to go and start your own. You can start a local validator, which is like your own blockchain. You can deploy your own mainnet, you could have one or two, like a uh, handful of validators do it. Point of blockchain is easy as hell now. And because of that, you have all these different blockchains you know show up, they're being funded by, you know, the foundation for selection bias companies. And because people know this, there isn't a lot of volume and traffic the way you make money here is by going to the community pools by getting grants. People are like, oh, I'm gonna build this deck for you or do this liquid stake thing. That's the easiest thing that they feel is what a grant will give. But a place like Ethereum, where you have all this volume, traffic, liquidity, people can don't and experiment and try crazy stuff, you know? That whole front tech thing that was created, people were messing around. But because of all the you know, users and volume EBM chain has that's sort of exploded. Imagine if Tech was deployed in Cosmos today, it probably wouldn't have caught on. No one probably would have given a fuck, right? So instead of trying to, you know, find the perfect blockchain, it's like real world, let's like just use parts of technologies that sort of work and does what we want sort of tie all these things together. So definitely don't want to go on more of a rant. I know we've been going for a while. So, you know, we've a lot of things. Fort Square. is... You know, dangles the wrap up. So hopefully, we'll be done in a few days. Noise integration coming day to day for all the games. And DLTO is moving to Ethereum, right? And one of the questions will ask oh, I got to deal with gas fees now. Not really. So, because graph DLTO is what all our assets and that's going to be on Cosmos, you're going to be paying Cosmos related fees. If you want to bridge over to Ethereum and do speculation on that side, feel free. You're able to do so. But now, either way, it's going to be an interesting challenge and an interesting process. And throughout this entire journey, we'll definitely keep everyone a part of it. We love turning on the lights. We love you know, telling people what we've learned. And regardless of us succeeding and failing, I think there'll be a lot of great things to come from this. And we'll definitely share it with the community.
3: Yeah, it's going to be um, it's going to be fun.
2: <laughs> so we should probably call it. Uh, like I said, we've been going on for a while. If anyone wants to come up and say anything, feel free. If not, try B-Ban, Daniel, or Lord. If there's anything you guys want to say, feel free to sort of do your closing remarks.
4: Uh, Um, Just just that we've got a couple of um, new X spaces that we're toying about with. So keep an eye out for that and, and and come and join in on the fun. And on my end, you know, I was I was trying to get uh, Sports Square
3: you know, by today, but um, just had too many unrelated issues to work through and other things. So I had to focus on getting uh, noise uh, wrapped up because uh, we want to have that in place by the time that, um, you know, Yield Most. We're going to be, you know, just to recap, we're going to have um, integration with YieldMost Most so people can allocate some portion of their staking rewards to go into uh, buying a uh, lot of tickets automatically and so i wanted to get with the noise integration finalized for that and um it's going to be um yield most is going to be at cosmoverse and they're going to be doing a presentation so hopefully they're going to be showing some of our nfts and talking about the our our you know this what i just mentioned just giving a little demo so that's that's going to be cool i just wanted that the randomness to be worked, you know, side of it to be figured out by then. Um, so I'm-
2: It's crazy that we forgot to mention the whole interchain lottery stuff with YieldMo. You know, we'll definitely talk about it another time, but it still blows my mind that we're basically going to have lotteries for all their main chain. It's going to support YieldMo, so you can take a percentage of your, you know, or percentage of your validated rewards to buy a lottery ticket. But so will normal people be able to buy into it support our uh, restate after yeldmos and you know i think that's also crazy but before i talk anymore i know we have someone who came up crypto car apr thank you for coming up if there's something you wanted to add to the discussion uh feel free hey thanks for
5: bringing me up um you know i uh i want to just kind of preface it by just saying i know you were trying to wrap up so I'm not sure maybe now it's not a good time for me to bring up something because I think it will prolong the conversation. So if you're really trying to wind down here, uh, you know, maybe I'll save it for some other time. Then I'm just
2: being with Nah, drop it, man. Uh, we always love to you know, know what we're thinking about. If it does become a long-winded conversation, Definitely,
5: definitely put space on it. No. I'll be honest. I, I do tend to, you know, initiate long-winded conversations. So this full disclosure there. But I mean, it may not even really be related to your topic of the space. So another caution there. So, you know, I, 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 I just don't want to be rude. But I mean, hey, um, if you guys want to yeah, keep it going, right. then I'll, I'll jump in. But I'll leave that to you. Thank you.
2: Yeah, I would say this. Uh, we do weekly spaces. We also try to do a bunch of spaces a week besides uh, this general update one. Since we're kind of wrapping up, if it's not fully related, definitely jump into another space in the near future. And let's well, I mean, you it. can just, you can say what
3: it is. Maybe maybe it's not that bad.
5: Okay, sure. Yeah. I mean, and you can reject the question and we can save it for another time. That's sure. perfect. Thank you. Um, I was just going to ask you, I mean... Um, uh, you know and, and it looks like this crowd over here is, is seems very tech savvy um from some of the other spaces that i've been on um so with that in mind i wanted to just put it out there does it seem to you that maybe crypto might be and it doesn't really matter what um uh you know uh, layer we're talking about right um you know most of the narratives that are coming whether they're crypto related or Web3 related or whatever, they just seem to be coming from some sort of an organized, you know, central kind of, you know, place of origin. I don't know if anybody else is feeling that way. Um, Can you give an example? For instance, that, um, okay, uh, the best example that I can give you is right now, pretext or context is I started observing crypto Twitter as of October 2020. All right. So uh, since then, I noticed that everybody kind of vouches for a project. What project? Oh, I love the people out there. You know, there's such great guys, but really no technical detail about the project in itself. Uh, Then you find out that everybody's kind of paid as affiliates. So obviously, you know, we're you know, it creates this chain of, uh, uh, you know, people vouching for other people only because there's payment involved so now you know um if there's a hedge fund or something that basically uh decides to hire a bunch of people just to put out a narrative i mean is that really inherent in sort of the core principles or let's say first principles of crypto which in my opinion immutability is a huge thing uh you know um uh, trustlessness is a huge thing um so, yeah, it was more philosophical in that way, if that makes sense.
2: I definitely don't think it's, like, fully malicious or conspiracy-related. Yes, there'll be some bad actors that are trying to do some stuff in this space, just like any other space. I think, ultimately, this all comes down to people thinking within the same box. You know, most people say Web3 is the next Internet. But from, like, talking to a lot of different teams and people that are involved, they continuously see crypto as an investment vehicle. You know, it's like, if you look at Web2 today, no one looks at Web2 and says, hey, Web2 is a Web2, know, it's an investment vehicle. There are certain apps or services within that ecosystem that are vehicle, you know, investment vehicles, but generally it's just a platform for build cool shit that other people want to pay for. For a very long time, not I can't even say a very long time, you know, crypto is still relatively new. And I think you have a lot of people that just sort of think within that same box, you know. They aren't seeing Web3 as a general decentralized platform. Yeah. Can build applications and do cool things that people want to pay for. And I feel like the more examples of apps start building stuff like OnlyFans, gaming platform, or um, some type of fart thing that people would enjoy, right? Those are the type of things that's gonna bring in normal users. And beyond normal users, most people in crypto, you know, sort of see things through the crypto lens, They're like, oh, having a wallet, doing a hardware wallet, a hot wallet doing all these different things, that all seems normal to me. But that's not normal to the average user. To the average user, when they go to any other application, they're logging with their Gmail. Boom, their account yeah. is created. If they want to add their credit card and buy tokens in the game, all that is easily streamlined. And that stuff is possible with Web3, but not enough for putting a focus on that. So I think we'll eventually get there. Do you know, yes. a one of those teams that are kind of do something similar to look at that. Now, make it easy for people. Build fun things people want to pay for. And hopefully, more and more people these, will do that. These these projects
3: that are kind of you know vouching for each other, you know, I I imagine I imagine that they're mostly projects that are like only intelligible to people who are already familiar with crypto, right? It has something to do with staking or with NFTs or with you know tokens, this and that. It's like Rizvi is saying. It's those these projects are probably not building a payroll software. They're not building Some art software or some, um, you know, business deal workflow software. Some random thing that you can think of. I mean, think of all the startups out there and all the different products out there. Products for ordering dog food. You know, it's like I think people's minds are, for historical reasons, trapped a little bit in thinking about what to do with blockchain and crypto uh, in terms of just financial, uh, like financial technologies, like um, like. You know, because at first there was Bitcoin, right? And then there's Ethereum and they were just cryptocurrencies in and of themselves. People hadn't really thought about just using them as general like
5: platform. I totally agree because that's me. I I bought Ethereum in uh, 2017 only because I read the white paper. I didn't. And Bitcoin was 20K at the time uh, when I saw it going from 5K to 20K. And I was still in the process of getting approved through my Coinbase wallet. And I'm a tech guy. Uh, but uh, but the the thing about ETH was I was like smart contracts. Absolutely. Yeah. Duh. You know, so I never looked at it as a currency ever. Yeah. Uh, but again, you know, I think I'm coming from the uh, the, the and maybe this is helpful to people. Uh, maybe you guys, because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm coming from the tail end of uh, having suffered through, uh, you know, a crypto related bankruptcy case in Chapter 11. And, you know, it's been over a year and, um, you know, I found my way into Twitter spaces as a result of that. Otherwise, I never really used Twitter. I'm the first settler of the Internet generation. I mean, I've been, you know, I knew, I knew about P2P servers even before people don't, yeah. you know, do what those were, like MIRC days. I'm not from the U.S. originally, but uh, I know that AOL was big out here, but MIRC ICQ is really where it's at. I mean, talking about downloading 60 gigabytes of freaking MP3s on a fucking dial-up, right? (laughs) Uh, That's how I spent my time as uh, probably an ADHD person. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) That, you know, it's a lot of different interests. But I mean, as a coder, I would say... You know, and I like what you guys are saying, because, you know, I think the fundamental principles and values that are brought in by Crypto are really important, Um, especially now that I've been through this bankruptcy experience, which is horrible. I'll I'll just, you know, caution you guys on that, Um, uh, you know, but since having gone through that and I'm still going through it, it hasn't ended yet. We still have some time in Celsius, by the way, just in case you were wondering um you know it's uh it makes you question you know how you got here in the first place and it started with a youtube video and then it made uh, made my way into reddit i hate the fucking format of reddit (laughs) i like voice uh i used to talk to people on the internet via chat uh you know so i and and knowing that um talking to people all over the world uh you know i i I always saw text as a really inferior form of communication. For me, I think this adds another layer of senses that I rely on heavily to basically gauge a person's, you know, uh, um, I mean, not just by words, but also by their voice, because I've taught my brain how to kind of gauge, you know, people by just hearing them. That's how I've closed business deals without even meeting a person when, you know, people would normally try and. You know, uh, score a date for golf or some shit. You know, I never had to do any of that shit uh, about golf. <laughs> Just saying. But, you know, that was, a, 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 thank you for entertaining this. Um, I would love to, you know. Uh,
2: I, I will say one last thing about, you know, the issues that we see in this space and why everything sort of seems to be the same bullshit. Web3 is great at a few things, things like, you know, accessibility. Right now, if you walk into a bank or anywhere in any country, Try to open up a bank account or some type of account. Takes documentation. It's not easy. But anyone can join Web3. You go ahead, generate a wallet. Boom. You're good to go. Right? If you want to build something in Web3 today, you can do that. You can deploy something to a blockchain, Ethereum, Cosmos, and no one can take it down. But try that in Web2. Imagine you piss off Google, Amazon, Microsoft, or even the U.S. government. Boom. You're banned from everywhere. Social media, you're gone. Absolutely. Exactly, but web three, you don't have that. But the problem yeah. here becomes when people are building stuff in web three, they sort of go down this mentality of I wanna be a purist. I wanna do mm. everything the blockchain way, the ethos of blockchain, that's what I'm gonna bring into. It. And that's stupid. Blockchain is a tool, right? If we're mm-hmm. building a project or a business, then do that. Use the tools that are necessary. Like like at least from a developer and someone who does a lot of business related things one of the things that blew my mind versus like Web 2.0 or Web 3.0, if you want to deploy an application in Web 2.0 today, you got to go to some cloud provider, buy your own server, you know, know, deploy your application. You got to maintain the security of your operating system. You got to make sure it's actually scalable. But in Web 3.0, that experience is very different. You can come in, deploy a piece of code, deploy it to a network. Now you've sort of taken away the need to deploy, build, you know, deploy your own cloud or infrastructure, exactly. security is handled for you, scalability is handled for you, mm-hmm. and that shit is fucking amazing. It's almost like the entry of barrier or the cost of entry, like building and deploying software, has been drastically reduced now because you really have no overhead. Anytime someone uses your smart contract, they pay some gas for it, and boom, that's how you do it. You're absolutely
5: right. I mean, you know, we didn't have the infrastructure laid out in the first iteration of the internet when I started using it and I'm talking like 93, 94 probably is when I first started using the internet. And it was straight immediately IRC, <laughs> all right, uh which basically is what Discord is kind of right now. Um uh, so that always existed. And 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 you know, um I think you're absolutely right in the sense that um uh you know, blockchain um I consider it. I think I, I maybe this is the best way for me to, uh, you know, uh, make an analogy of it. It's like the open kitchen. You ever go to a restaurant and you see an open kitchen? You know, the beauty of that is um, you're kind of forced to, uh, you know, play by the rules. Mm. You know, because you're being watched. And, and and I'm coming from into this country from the Middle East, right? And. Um, By the way, you know, I I drop a lot of personal information sometimes, but, you know, whatever, fuck it. It builds credibility. Uh, But, uh, you know, coming in as a Middle Eastern person, um, you know, into the U.S. prior to September 11th, I've always been surveilled. I was on a special database just because I was born in a certain country. And in all honesty, there's nothing wrong with that. I never had any rights until recently when I became a U.S. citizen. It was more than 18 years in the making, by the way. Uh, But, you know, I realized that rights... um, Man, I did everything I ever, you know, I was able to buy property. I mean, I did a bunch of stuff just without, uh, and still paying taxes to a country I didn't have any rights in for for several, for decades. Uh, but, um, you know, and then only to become a citizen in January 2020, which is hilarious, because two months later, you're stuck in a house. So what the fuck? <laughs> rights are overrated, right? <laughs> From that perspective. Uh, but I feel, you know, Twitter spaces has some, you know... It's 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 um it's live. It's it's, you know, it's um it, like you said, you know, I mean, I, I believe that not everything can be conspiratorial and so well coordinated and calculated and stuff. I don't want to live in a world where you have to question everything. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of things that um, we didn't ever really question, like. Well, what what does money is printed mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and, uh, you know, it's funny that, like, after having read the Bitcoin white paper twice, uh, that is not until, like, 2020, after watching Michael Saylor give an analogy of, like, the laws of thermodynamics and analogizing that, analogizing, that's a word I made up. <laughs> not a porn reference, sorry. But, uh, you know, uh, basically, you know what I'm saying? To, let's say, uh, to, to Bitcoin being sound money, uh, I mean, that's what... I was like, hell yeah. I mean, I understand that. And then I read the white paper. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, when you find yourself, in, and this is in the midst of a bankruptcy, and when you realize that, you know, um, uh, money is printed, it takes a whole other ma- meaning. And I'm like, ah, why do people pretend like they know what they're talking about? Like, you know, I ask anybody that's younger than me, and I'm saying like maybe in the 30s or something. Um, uh, they're like, yeah, I knew that. I'm like, how? <laughs> Who told you this? Not in school. I mean, I've never, I I, I consulted to financial com- services companies, Chase, Citibank and whatnot. And I was in, I'm in big data. So essentially data warehousing and business intelligence, uh, you know, um, interviewing a bunch of people at different, era, you know, um, levels of, uh, uh, of um, you know, I guess, from compliance perspective or regulatory perspective, or even like, you know, IT or business user perspective. Um, so, there's, you know, I, I think I, I think somehow I would have heard that. Uh, but, you know, now finding my way into crypto and, you know, dealing with this, it makes me appreciate Bitcoin even more only because now I understand the importance of trustlessness. Now I understand the importance of not your keys, not your coins. I really understand that because opening lines in bankruptcy of a case that I dealt with personally uh, that's been over a year right now Um uh, you know, it was interesting um, and I'll just say it so you guys can understand um, uh, You know what the downside maybe is if you ever find yourself in this situation, which I hope not I wouldn't wish this on my own it, worst enemy. They said um, the, the property of the estate is not that of the creditors, but that of the debtors Now the interesting thing about this is when you put money in a bank, it's no longer your money and um, uh, You know and that moment, when I was thinking my ignorance, right? Um, that I'm fucking the creditor. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm the debtor. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. So I'm I'm thinking I'm the debtor in this case, and I'm like, but then I find out that I'm actually the creditor because I've 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 loaned money to someone, and it's no longer mine anymore, and whether I get it or not back or not is, you know. If I'm lucky, I will. If I'm and I think not, that's why
2: it's so important to, like, yeah. understand fundamentals and, like, learn all yes. this stuff. Like but with that, I do have to go give my daughter sure. a bath. So we will be calling <laughs> But I want to say I really enjoyed this conversation. Every once in a while, meet someone that has an like interesting background. I kind of hope you check out Gelato. We definitely would love to talk to you more. Yeah, for sure, man. Maybe Thank like you for coming up Kenny's. with something.
5: I know, I, you know, I, I uh, this is what I mean, man. I knew this was going to be a long-winded one, you know. Um uh, but uh, but thank you, I appreciate the opportunity for you even entertaining and taking it this far uh, thanks a lot, and then, yeah, I, I'll definitely check you guys out, and I'll follow a few of you, um, and thank you for bringing me up I appreciate it.
2: Yeah, of course man, thank you so much for coming up, and thank you to everyone who sort of joined, listened mm-hmm. in you know, this was definitely an amazing weekly gelato space, and Daniel, any final words you want to say before we call it?
3: Dominos for this film.
2: Cool, I can live with those words. Peace
0: out, everyone. Be good. And we will catch you next week. down days got him acting all bankless, Yo, fam, what check these token They probing this bear, flexing broken knives. I had to lay my soul down. I'm just roasting others, and then the end a long day. Eleven bowls of chronic. Never known the politic. I was born to frolic. It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot. We got a lot of a apolog- just jumping in at the top We like to measure their velocity Before they hit rock bottom Over impossible loss It's all moss And I'm liking the odds Bond in the morning, forming mycological bonds Click the cap Though the road is highly involved Flip a coin Diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud Looking for mercy Before they find themselves Working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first Before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures Under the dirt we rape and blunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy While the thunder is surf. Trying to figure out The max amount of dinner Lay stacked in non-toxic Just to get a better place Smacking on the hostage Like the shit is play for keeps Clowns, white knight And all these leaves, They call it implausible When model after model Keeps on ripping off the coat And going full throttle beats. Tearing apart your community. All these low-hanging fruits Bearing zero liquidity Gotta plan it in reach Coming standard to each I'm on the back ten Stargazing after the siege Commanding all the management To grab a few seats, And then we'll round up the beasts And send a messenger east Y'all better sign a release When I'm bumping these beats Hands up if I got motherfuckers Drumming the streets Yo, we got a few dubs We got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king You better have some of each Motherfuckers Fuckers screaming out loud Looking for mercy Before they find themselves Working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first cup first serve mentality stuck in the verbs I'll be numbing up first Before discovering my what works and we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and under the earth Say and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy, while the thunder is served <laughs> i